Here comes Schofield. Oh! Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. Who can do it? Well, I, I do like length. That's what she said. He's got everything going early on. Again. Schofield, the theft. And look at the Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, no more offensive coordinator search in Tennessee time. Things, knock on wood, kind of looking pretty decent for Tennessee athletics time, for the most part time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast at the Road Warrior Tandem of Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey coming to you today from Fort Rucker Studio. Recording this on Thursday afternoon. Going to drop it to you on a Friday morning. We just got back from the Midwest, the uh, most unfortunate Southeastern Conference town because it is actually a Midwest town of Columbia, Missouri, where the third-ranked Tennessee Volunteers uh, went to Columbia, burnt the house down, and came on back to Knoxville before going to uh, another road game probably a tough road environment this weekend at Florida. Grant, how are we doing? I'm here. <laughs> That's all you can ask of me right now. <laughs> Thank you to the Southeastern Conference for putting these two trips together. There's nothing more I would rather do. Yeah, not, that was a, uh, that was a t- tough back-to-backer on that one. Thinking about buying a Govals 247 18-wheeler and just becoming a long-haul trucker. Yeah, I should think about how many... If there's anything we need to move between Missouri and here, let's take care of that on Wednesday. Anything that needs to go to Gainesville, pack it up, take it to somebody. Yeah, I think that... Need and, a CB radio. And, and when you look at, like, people say, why don't you just fly? I think if you're... The thing about the Columbia and Gainesville yeah, trips... Let's go ahead and unpack that. Th- that kind of sucks. That, that bad uh, rumor that it's easy to fly out there? No. No, it's not, because you have to go... You know, if your company you're not flying into Columbia because it's tiny, and you have no options. Yeah, Knoxville's just big enough where you can fly out of it, and it's not like a huge problem, uh, usually financially. But you know, you can. So you're flying. If if there was a direct Knoxville to St. Louis, sign me up. I'm there. Yeah, there is no more. There used to be decades ago, and now you got to connect. You got to land in St. Louis. You got to rent a car. You got to drive two hours west to Columbia. No thanks. Yeah, that, that's the part that sucks. Is when you are driving. And then you are still renting a car afterward and then driving for an extended period of time after that, that becomes such a big pain that I'm like, screw it, let's just uh let's just let's just drive this one. There's basically an eight hour window. Draw draw it like a circle around Knoxville. Eight hours. I'm I'm willing to drive. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up just for fun. How and this is this is how much we prepare for this podcast, right? Firing up Google.com. Yeah. What are you looking for? I'm looking at the mileage on Knoxville to Columbia. 430. Is that just a guess, or do you randomly know that? I don't know. It's not even close. 610. <laughs> but that's 610. Hashtag math. So that's 1,220 miles. Now we'll do this. Gainesville? Yeah. That's going to be 450? Let's see here. $1, Bob. $1, Bob. It is, that trip is... Uh, 550 miles. Ugh, so that's 1,100 
1,300. That's like 2,300 miles. Yeah. That, that's half, uh, more than halfway across the country, three-quarters of the way across the country. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how many miles Grant Ramey and I are staying in very close proximity to each other for, for the next, uh, for, the, for this week. And in the middle of it, he's at my house, which I do not take offense to the fact that it's probably the very least, probably the place he least wants to be on this planet right now. Uh, but here we are because we have to talk about Tennessee basketball. Uh, Tennessee went to visit former Vols coach Conzo Martin and his Missouri Tigers on uh, Tuesday night. It was. It's all kind of a blur this week. That game started about as poorly as it could start for Tennessee. Schofield, Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams doing practically nothing. Uh, both got Fouling. Two, both Fouling got, a lot. Both got two fouls in the first half. Tennessee is down by nine after about 14 minutes, 15 minutes, and both those guys are on the bench. Lo and behold, without those two guys out there, Tennessee goes on a huge run, 24-4 run, turns the game on its head. They're up by 11 at halftime, and then they're rolling into another 20-plus point victory. Uh, Just, I think, 87-63 was the final. Mm -hmm. This team, Grant, is just finding ways to beat people and in a league where you're you're seeing a lot of parity already in the SEC mm-hmm. from game to game, uh, you know, some upsets here and there, you know, Ole Miss going to Auburn or uh, Ole Miss hosting Auburn and beating Auburn, uh, Kentucky losing at Alabama. And, and then you're seeing Tennessee. State losing at South Carolina, yeah. the other ranked team in the league. And, and you're, you're seeing South Carolina go down to Florida and win. So you're seeing some, some different stuff here in league play. A lot of parity. And then Tennessee, which has just taken its first two opponents and bludgeoned them into the ground without mercy. Uh, this team, I, I still don't think it's quite maybe playing the 40 perfect minutes or 40 close to perfect minutes that Rick Barnes wants because that's just how he's built, how, what he thinks. But it's, it's hard to not just be completely and totally and utterly impressed by this team, which now has Lamonte Turner back in the mix. And he goes three or four from three point range, mm-hmm. and he's the one who got the three pointer. He's the catalyst that got that got it going. Right when they're done nine. And I remember um, talking to Conzo for just a little bit. He, we missed his press conference. The Tennessee players were talking at the same time. Caught up with him a little bit later, and he basically uh, said, "You know, hold Grant to one of eight, <laughs> and they score eighty seven points." <laughs> he's like, "Man, like, what 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 do you do? Like now they're adding Lamonte too. Like what 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 are you gonna do?" And I feel for him a little bit because he's playing without his best player for a second year in a row, and that just sucks. But they did exactly – they had the very best-case scenario of what you can do against Grant Williams. Frustrate him a little bit, throw some length and bodies at him, get him in foul trouble, get him to miss miss some of those high high floater jumpers that he takes, um, those high-release point jumpers that he takes, and – and hold him to four points on one of eight shooting in 22 foul-plagued minutes. You could not ask for a better night against Grant Williams. Coupled and the, with Admiral struggling And Schofield early. got his 16 points, but he only had three in the first half. He, he padded, That was the first shot from the field. Yeah, he padded a little bit later. And to hold those guys to that kind of a night and to still give up 87 points to a team that had won four games in a row, had beaten some pretty good teams. Was playing its best basketball. And was playing at home. I, I mean, with a crowd that it didn't fill the arena, but, um, you know, midweek, it starts at 6 p.m. 
local time. That's not easy for them. It's still and, a road game. And it's still a road game, and, and the people who were there made some noise. It was a difficult place to play. And Tennessee just made it look easy. What what can we say about these guys right now? Uh, they, they look like a completely different team, even though it's 11 of the same guys from last season's team. Um, they've, they're a completely different team. They're, the offensive efficiency is through the roof. Uh, I keep waiting to judge this team on an off night, on a night where they just don't play well collectively, and I don't think they've had that night. And we're through 14 games of a 31-game schedule, so you're right at halfway. Uh, the offensive numbers, the, the way they can beat you, the number of different guys that can beat you uh, is insane compared to – I mean, when I when we made that trip, what I'm thinking about is that game last year where they it was 59-55, uh, stuck in the mud, a Conzo Martin kind of game where he puts five bodies between you and the rim yeah. and makes you deal trench, with it. Trench warfare. Right, and, and you're thinking when that game starts that it's kind of playing out that way. Grant Williams is missing shots. He picks up early fouls. Uh, Admiral missed shots after he made that first three. Uh, Missouri kind of punches you first, and they're up nine after, I think, 13 minutes. And you're you're not thinking they're done, but they're kind of wobbling, yeah. and you're kind of wondering what's going to happen here. And they go on a 24-4 run, and Bowden has 10 points in the first half, and Jordan Bone has 15 points in the first half. Uh, Bowden finishes with 20, and he didn't make a three. Um, Lamonte does what Lamonte used to do a lot last year, which is a huge step forward for him and for this team. So I, I keep waiting to judge them on a night where they just play poorly, and they just haven't done it yet. Maybe this is the team they are. This is what, The bar they've set for themselves uh, through 14 games is extremely high, and I would be stunned if they met that bar through the end of the regular season and into the postseason. But the longer they do it, the more reason there is to believe that can happen. It's weird to think about that, you know, and you said it, and it's a, it, 100% right, that we keep waiting to judge this team on what happens on a bad day at the office. And we're talking about a game where the SEC player of the year goes one for eight in 22 right. minutes and right. scores four points, and yet we're not really so, – so that's like the best player in this league has his worst performance maybe of the past two seasons. And we're still not talking about it. Ah, it wasn't quite a bad game because the other guys on this team stepped up to fill that void. And, you know, knock on wood, of course, but you, you look at – this team, and you say, it, it's like the other coaches are saying all the time, where are the holes? Mm -hmm. Where do you attack this team? How do you frustrate this team? Because this team, with that offense, that Bob McKillop, that flex motion stuff they do, I mean, they're going to move the ball, because I don't care how fast you are as a person, the ball can travel faster than you can. And they pick the ball up, and they put it, they, they whip it around the court, they find the open man, they're good in, in transition and secondary transition, uh, they're playing good transition defense, they're still fighting for every loose ball, even up by 40-plus points. Kyle Alexander's diving on the floor trying to get a loose ball. Uh, you know, in the final minute of a 24-point game, which he probably shouldn't have been out there, but he was out there, Kyle Alexander diving around trying to get a ball into the bucket. I mean, these guys are playing, they're valuing every possession of a game, and they're competing at a level that with their physicality and strength and their attitude, they are just not going to be fun to play against. They, I look at it, and I've seen some really good uh, Tennessee basketball teams. I don't know that any Tennessee basketball team that I've ever seen would beat this one because this one just has so – unless Lofton had a game where he just went for like 40 or something right. like that. I, I, I don't know that any – 
team that I've been on, when you talk about the chemistry, when you talk about the efficiency on both ends of the floor, the way that now they're throwing Lamonte back on the court so they can play the kind of defense they want to, pressuring the ball for 94 feet, not giving you easy looks. As soon as Missouri's three stopped falling, that game was over. And it's just you run out of ways to say, man, these guys are good. And it's it's hard to kind of point to who to start with. I mean, Grant's going to do what Grant's going to do uh, nine times out of ten. Yeah. Same with Admiral. You know what you're getting from those two guys nine times out of ten. But look at Jordan Bone, the numbers he's putting up. Uh, I mean, he scores 17, has five assists, five rebounds, uh, misses four. He only needs 12 shots from the field. I'm sorry, 10 shots from the field to score 17 points. A year ago, you would crawl across broken glass to get those kind of numbers out of that kid. And now he just does it regularly. That's just what he does. That's him. He's in control. He's not turning the ball over. He's assist. He's controlling the tempo. He's pushing the basketball. He's leading the breaks. He's making shots. Jordan Bowden, the same thing. I mean, he scored 20 both the last two games out. Uh what he's doing consistently. I mean, Kyle Alexander is a completely different basketball player. Yeah. The he, kid he, has been a freak the last two games. Getting rebounds that aren't in his area. No. And and the strength he's shown in the post, the way he guards the rim without fouling a lot. Uh, he did that a really good job of that early at Missouri, drawing fouls while he was protecting the rim uh, and frustrating Missouri's big men. The stuff these guys are doing, the guys that you consider kind of role players, are they're just playing out of their minds. Um, basically night in and night out. Because if it's not Grant, if it's not Admiral, it's one of those guys, and, and you know what you're getting from Grant and Admiral night in and night out. So whatever you're getting from those guys obviously is uh, just a big bonus on top of that. But the way they've the way they've beat people, the number of different people they've used to beat people, now you're getting Lamonte back. Uh, and it still feels like a relatively short bench because you don't really trust Jalen Johnson or Derek Walker. Don't really know what you're getting out of them. Eve Pons, it feels like he's taking a step back. Uh, but what you're getting from these guys that are playing a lot of minutes is, is pretty crazy. And as you look at the schedule and the way that it that it is going forward, um, this is a tough game coming up on Friday. There's no question about it. Saturday. I'm sorry, Saturday. We Yeah, tomorrow's Friday. The game is – today's Friday when we're recording Today's this. Thursday. Today's Thursday. Today, tomorrow's if you're listening – Today after that's Saturday. Yeah, today, if you're listening to the podcast, today is Friday. So tomorrow – uh, if you're listening to this today, which is, let's just say Saturday. My that brain game is Saturday, in a pretzel. Man, mine's been there for a couple of days. I could have slept all day today. If if you look at where Florida is, good luck figuring out what that team is. Because there are a couple teams in the SEC that I'm having a hard time figuring out. Florida, right there near at or, at or near the top of the list. Because on a game-to-game basis – these guys can look really good, mm-hmm. and then you go, oh, man, they look terrible today. I can't figure out what kind of team it is. I think you're for Tennessee, you have to assume that Florida, with its back against the wall, with a top-five team going into the to the O-Dome, I think you have – or whatever it is, X-Tech Arena, whatever it is now, you're, you're going to have a nasty environment. You're going to have to assume – that Florida, with this back against the wall, is going to give you its best. Mm-hmm. And if Florida gives you its best, that's a really tough place to play in a really tough game. And they, you know, obviously have no love lost for Tennessee there. So from that standpoint, that should be a tough game. But when you look at what this team's doing to people, it's like you're almost now surprised if these guys don't find a way to hurt whoever they're playing. Because they have options. 
They have different guys. They have Bowden who can go from doing nothing for a while to putting up 20 in back-to-back games again. You know, you got Kyle Alexander, two double-doubles in SEC play. So now, if those guys keep playing at that level and then Grant Williams steps out and becomes himself again, I mean, they're a threat to go for 100 almost any night because of the pace they play on offense. And I think you have to expect this is going to be a tough game, but who knows, right? And the question uh, it felt like going into SEC play was who would this team be defensively? And uh, I think they needed to answer that question. I think they had struggled a little bit or or taken a couple steps back from what they were last year. Uh, And they give up 50 points against Georgia, and they give up 63 against Missouri, and obviously those aren't the two best teams in the league by any stretch of imagination. Obviously Missouri's not a really good offensive basketball team. Georgia beat the brakes off Vandy, though. They did that. Um, Mike White's a good basketball coach. He's a heck of a recruiter. Yes. He assembles some elite talent. Uh, it feels like they don't put the pieces together all the time, uh, yep. fit the right way. It feels like he's always trying to call his team out. I know he said, I think uh, the other day, there's only three people on this team right now that he trusts, I guess, on the floor. Uh, he, he called them out a lot last year for effort and, and not taking practice stuff to games or, or not taking practice seriously enough, something along those lines. Uh, but it, it, you're the number three team in the country. It's a Saturday game. It's on the road. It's in a, a, a normally hostile arena, even though Florida – I mean, this is a, a Mike White situation. Florida's up 11 with, what, seven or eight minutes left against South Carolina, a South Carolina team that was five and seven yeah. uh, playing in Gainesville. Which has they, a couple of good players but has been struggling. Right, and they give up uh, They give up that lead and they give up that touchdown pass length of the court, one and a half second left uh, dunk. Pretty uh, unfortunate. That, game. that was a clear foul, but still like, right. still sucks. And then they go to uh, Arkansas Wednesday night, and, and they win that game by five or six. I think they're up 11 at halftime. Arkansas seemed like they were going to struggle to score uh, 15 points in that first half. So it's a hard team to figure out, but, but you have to bank on the fact that you're the number three team in the country. Uh, you're going to have your name circled on schedules, and you're going to go into some tough arenas. And it's, it, it's a big test for Tennessee. Uh, which sounds weird to say because they've played two games and they've won by combined 70 points. Uh, but it is still a big test. Yeah, I keep telling myself they're, they're going to come back down to earth. Right. They're going to have... They're going to have a bad night eventually. Every season has those kind of ebb and flow moments. And if you're Tennessee, I wonder now if with the battered ball syndrome, if some fans are thinking, let's get some bad performances out of the way now. Let's not, let's not build this thing into a superpower going into the tournament. And then have it blow up then against some mid-major in the first round or something, you know, like a like a Virginia last season, something like that. Uh, don't get UMBC'd. But as I look across the country, you know, you normally can watch those top couple teams in the country, and then you can look at the team you're covering, whatever team it is that season, and you can say, yeah, there's a difference there. Yeah, a big difference. Uh, right now, I look at there being like four or five teams in the country that are a good several steps above the rest of the pack. And that can change. Guys can get hurt. Other guys can come back and get healthy. Uh, teams can go on a heater, hit a bunch of threes down the stretch, you know, do like a Tennessee did a couple of years ago, you know, rally out of nowhere to make it to the, from the first four to the Sweet 16. Things happen in basketball. You get a Loyola last season. You, you never know. But I look at it right now, and I look at those top four or five teams, because right now Virginia's you know ranked fourth and could very easily be ranked, be ranked number one. Mm-hmm. Michigan is ranked two, very easily could be ranked number one. Tennessee's number three, very easily could be ranked number one. And Duke is number one, and you can't say it's unfair. So I look at all of this, and you look at it and you go, 
Barnes has really built something pretty special here. He's turned this group of guys into an absolutely, it's hard to say complete because I think in this business, naturally we're a little bit jaded. You just see something, no matter what it is every day. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, people say things like, uh, man, that, uh, Justin Verlander, look at that That guy's married to Kate Upton, man, luckiest guy in the world. And at some point, Verlander's probably annoyed by something Kate Upton does, (laughs) you know, like no matter what it is, if you're, familiarity it breeds contempt you see holes that aren't there but i look at this tennessee team and i go what do they not have what what answer do they not have what possible solution to a problem do they not have and now that lamonte's back i mean you know you wouldn't want bone to go down certainly Mm because the way he's playing it's an elite level right but they would survive probably right now. Like, they'd be okay. They'd be the same kind of team. It, it's just they have – when you can do what they did on the road against a decent team without your best player hardly doing anything and without your second best player doing anything in the first 30 minutes, you're pretty special. Yeah, you're right. Uh, about the elite teams, it does feel like Duke, Gonzaga, Michigan, Virginia, Tennessee – Kind of that group. Sparty's close. Sparty, you're spit, you're kind of splitting hairs trying to figure out which of those teams uh, is the better team. Obviously, Tennessee and Gonzaga played head-to-head. They didn't have Killian Tilly at the time. He's back now. That makes them a much better team. Tennessee didn't really have Lamonte. Uh, I know, yeah. I know Tennessee fans uh, probably aren't crazy about Michigan being ranked ahead of them. Michigan's a good basketball team. John Bielan's a really good basketball coach. Yes. They're, they're undefeated to start with, and they have good wins. They went to Villanova and blew out Villanova. They've, they've, uh, they've handled other people. Um, but yeah, when you watch this Tennessee team and you compare it to some of the others, it's kind of hard to punch holes in their arguments. And, uh, if, if you're a Tennessee fan, I think you want them to kind of drop in the polls, even if they keep winning, you, you want them to get leapfrogged and kind of have that chip on their shoulder disrespect. I think they thrive on that. They have a really good culture as it is. They're very tight, tight group on and off the floor. They have been since, uh, for the last two, three years, really. Uh, but you want that motivational factor and, and get past Florida. If they win at Florida, I mean, you look at it, they're at home against Arkansas, they're at home against Alabama, they're ho- uh, on the road at Vandy, at home against West Virginia. They wouldn't leave the state until January 29th. And when you play at home, there's it's either going to be probably 90% full or sold out, yeah. and that's going to be a huge home court advantage. Uh, the, the second half, kind of the SEC schedule, Missouri at home, Florida at home, uh, at Kentucky, uh, well, both both Kentucky games, go to Ole Miss, go to LSU. It feels like there's more tests in the back half of this schedule, uh, but if you can survive, if you can get through these these first few games and keep winning, keep rolling the way they are, they're going to stay right there along, among the elite and, and for good reason. And I'll tell you, one of the very biggest things I've seen since Lamonte Turner has come back, people know what kind of big shot ability that he has. Mm-hmm. And, and even against Missouri, when they were down nine and they couldn't, no one could buy a bucket, up steps Lamonte, goes around a curl screen, and just just curls around a screen, just drills one. And all of a sudden, whew, then Bone hits a deep one. Then you know Bowden transition, Bone three, like they're going, boom, there it is, ball game. And people talk about that, but I think the very the thing people forget all the time is even though he's not the most elite athlete, Lamonte allows them to play defense the way they want to play, and he mm-hmm. has an attitude that helps the entire defense. He has instincts on the court. He can poke a ball loose. He's incredibly smart on the floor about understanding where he is and what he needs to do. And he loves 
you know, kind of being that guy who gets in your face and prods you a little bit, whether you're on his team or you're on the other team. And he also allows them to distribute minutes in a much more economical way where you don't see as many people probably playing 35, 36 minutes now unless it's like a, you know, playing a, a big, big, big type game. And I think that will allow everyone else to calm down a little bit. It just, you know, it's like, it's like Kyle Alexander has told me now the past two times I've talked to him, when he has said point blank, it just feels like everything is in place now. He said, without Lamonte out there, he goes, you know, Lamonte's one of our toughest guys. He's our guy. He's a big shot guy. But it just feels like when he's out there, like, you know, it, it's like a family member's not been at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Like you got a friend, you know, one of your siblings is staying at someone's house that night or got a game, something like that. And so you're eating family dinner and they're not there. When they come back to the table, now it feels like everything is back where it should be. It feels like, you know, whatever the feng shui is there. Like it just feels like they are the, they are Tennessee again is basically what Kyle Alexander said. And then just everyone gets confidence and relief with Lamonte back in the picture. It's like when, when the dad's been in Phoenix and Memphis and San Antonio and Columbia, Missouri and Gainesville, Florida, <laughs> and the kids forget his name. Uh, I'm not I'm not speaking from any specific uh, references. Yeah, they're like, De- who's this? You should have, if you had come back, if you had come back from out of town from all those trips with a beard, they probably would have been like, they don't care because I bring back toys. Oh, okay. That's the only thing they care about. Because I remember one time my dad came back out of town, and he always has a full beard. He's my hero. is the reason I have a beard. But he came back from a trip once because he worked, because contractor worked out of town a lot when I was a kid. And he came back one time, and he had a goatee instead of a full beard. And my sister, like, flipped out, like, in tears. <laughs> what like, have you done with, my father? Was scared, like, just, just went crazy. And I imagine that it's something like that. But, yeah, it, it, it's... You're right. The pieces fit really well together and they have fit really well together last season and for times the season before that it's just now they're operating at such a higher level they've improved and I think it goes back honestly and I've written this people didn't like it when they skipped the Rocky Top League last year for the first time ever I guess in the the decade that that because summer league the community to a certain extent embraced the event oh yeah it's a it's a very hands-on interactive yeah. see these guys up close moment. But they skipped it, and they said they wanted to spend the summer in Pratt Pavilion, and they wanted to get even closer. They they leaned on their chemistry last year to be a lot better basketball team than people expected. But they wanted to play pickup together. They wanted to get closer. They wanted to get better. Um, they wanted to play a more efficient brand of basketball. And everything they kind of talked about at that point has kind of played out. Uh, they've been so much better offensively uh, because everybody's gotten a little bit better. Uh, Grant's gotten a little bit better. Admiral's added to his game. Jordan Bowden doesn't have to rely on the three-point line anymore. Bone is... It's like Bowden realized, hey, I'm 6'5 and incredibly athletic. Right. Maybe I should use that. Right. Bone looks like a different point guard. Kyle looks like a different center. Uh, I mean, you just go down the list, and they've all stepped up their game. They've all worked their game uh, and improved their craft, and it's made it such a... They've always been operating tightly and fit together well on and off the floor, but now they just do it at such a higher level. And I have a theory, I have a theory as to why Jordan Bowden has come out of his shell a little bit offensively recently. I don't think it's like, this isn't like some conspiracy, this isn't some like great point. I think it's pretty obvious that when Lamonte was out, Bowden had to spend a lot more time per game at the point guard position. So he had to facilitate, he had to do other things, 
but that also got him more comfortable with the ball in his hand. And I think now he's not thinking of himself as just a catch-and-shoot guy. He's thinking of himself as a, you know what, if they're going to double Grant, if they're going to swarm Admiral, you know, if they're going to try to prevent the ball from going into Kyle, if they're going to be covering, you know, guys like Bone and, and Turner on the wings pretty pretty heavily, then if you sag off me a little bit, I'm just going to go to the, put the ball in the floor and I'm going to jump over you and I'm going to dunk right. it. And, and he, now that Lamonte's back, Bowden has those skills, but he gets to go back to his favorite position. His, his, or it, I don't think Bowden cares. You can play him at center and he'd be like, fine, I'll try. But, you know, he's in a more comfortable position now and he has more skill out of necessity. So sometimes, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, you learn how to do things. And that will ultimately benefit Bowden as much as it benefited anyone because it required him to do a lot of things. And that, you got to admit, that was tough for him. He's a guy who had been a starter. Right. And now he gets that taken away from him. And on top of that, he's trying to play a different position. So he's struggling to score the ball while playing a position that's a little different to him. But all he does is keep working and keep working and keep working. And then Turner comes back and all of a sudden, bam he's better because of it. And if he had shut it down, if he had pouted and that's what get back, that's what gets back to the whole culture thing. Cause Barnes would be the first to tell you that toward the end of his tenure at Texas, there were a couple teams he had where he felt like he felt like the control of the program had slipped a little bit with some, some one and done guys, you know, that didn't come in maybe with the right attitude. They didn't care if they were losing some games here and there, they were more focused about their future than they were the present. And that, kind of became a sickness in that program. It got stale. You know, it got a little bit more selfish. And he tried to repair that and was kind of on track to doing that maybe toward the end of his career there at Texas. But he learned some valuable lessons there that he is now applying here. And when you get guys like a Jordan Bowden and you put them through the ringer, mm-hmm. when you get guys like Kyle Alexander and you put them through the ringer, Bone put them through the ringer. But if you get guys who have the right character to fit into what you want to do as a program, when you push them, you get a good response. And if any of those guys had shut down, if Bone had said, I can't make this guy happy, screw it, I'm leaving, mm-hmm. I, you know, then Tennessee wouldn't be where it is now. If Kyle Alexander had said, this guy's too hard on me, maybe I'm never going to be a star at this level, I'm just going to go to a smaller school closer to home, you know, a, a mid-major in the Northeast and play more and start and all this, then Tennessee would not be where it is right now. If Bowden had gone into a shell and thought of himself as a role player as soon as Barnes started reducing his role, then Tennessee would not be where it is right now. Lamonte Turner, if he'd taken his ball and gone home with all the bar- yelling Barnes did at him the first couple of years, Tennessee would not be where it is right now. All of these things, and you look at Jalen Johnson now, and that kid probably, you know, no one would have batted an eye if he transferred after last season. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy now who can look at these other guys and say, you know what? They waited through it. Look where the team is now. Look where they are as players now. Maybe I'm going to stick with this. You know, Eve Pons comes in as a, you know, relatively decorated prospect, top prospect in France. Hasn't done a lot yet. He starts now, but he, he's probably struggling more than anyone else on the team is right now. But he can look at these other guys and say, look at how Coach Barnes and this staff have developed these guys. And so they want to hang around. And, and you build that. Guys, that's what a culture looks like. And when Barnes talks about culture, 
That's exactly what he talks about. You build a healthy, you know, a healthy base, a healthy foundation, a healthy heart and center of a program. And things fall into the places they need to because you've built something that can last. And I think that, as much as anything, is the reason that people should be enjoying this and celebrating this because this is proof positive for not just Tennessee, but for everybody across the country that you don't have to have the best recruits every year to win necessarily. It helps Mm -hmm. a lot, but you don't have to have it. You can do things the right way, get the right kind of kids, and you can be elite. You can do this old school way. Like that's why I think you're starting to see the national media start to sort of celebrate this team for what it is. Because more people are starting to see some of the stuff that some of us have been seeing for a couple years now, that something special was being built here. And I think it's just good to see that being rewarded because, you know what? This is the way you can do it. And, and, and in any era, this, this translates. I think it's cool to see. And the, the, the crazy thing is it's been, you know, speak it into existence. Rick Barnes has spoken this into existence from the time he got here. He's, he's said... We're going to build a foundation. Obviously, the goal every year is to get to the NCAA tournament, even the first couple of years when they were struggling. Uh, took the talent they had and tried to do what they could with it. But he kept saying they're going to want to build a foundation. They're going to recruit the guys they recruit. They're going to trust their evaluations over uh, star rank, uh, rankings and uh, all that stuff that, that's out there. And it drives people nuts uh, when you're not recruiting the highest-rated player in the country, uh, when you're not signing the best class uh, in the league in the SEC, even like a top half class in the league or, or one of the best classes nationally. Uh, but they've trusted their evaluations, like they said. They've put, the, they've put the guys, they've recruited guys that they think fit their program, that are willing to work, that can be coached, that want to be developed, uh, that are program guys. They've taken guys that uh, the previous coach, Donnie Tindall, found, like Lamonte and Admiral, uh, and turn those guys and deserves credit for that because he right, found players there, right, right, and 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 kind of expanded their games and kind of helped them kind of become the uh, you know go to the next level uh, with their basketball careers. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one way to do it. It's not the easiest way to do it, and it, it's kind of crazy that it's happened as quickly as it has because this team has been good for a while now, and this is just the you know the fourth season for Rick Barnes. He's halfway through his fourth year at Tennessee. And he's built an elite program, and it certainly it, it feels like this group feels special. Uh, we'll see how special they are in March, and and kind of what happens then. Obviously, there's a ton of basketball to be played between now and then. Uh, but what they've built, it's been crazy how quickly it's happened, uh, and how fa- kind of how far it's climbed uh, even to this point. In order for us to make a compliment sandwich here, we do have to mention something in the middle before we wrap it up. Um, we need to find something. Grant, let's find something negative to talk about. You know, Eve could be playing better. He could I, be playing I don't, better. I don't know what's going on with, with Pons. I'm trying to figure out, is he just seeing all the other guys playing well and stuff, and he doesn't want to upset the cart, and he just kind of wants to play defense and get rebounds and try to do affect the game in other ways? Because there's some shots offensively. Like, there was a time in Missouri where he could have just completely yammed on a guy and tried to lay it up instead or dished it and turned it into a turnover. And it's like – he's he's going through it. He, he's in that spin cycle right now, mm-hmm. clearly. He's thinking too much. And, you know, I don't think it'll last forever. I think he's got talent. I think he'll be fine. But he's definitely trying to find his way right now. Yeah, and, and by the time this podcast uh, is published, 
Rick Barnes will talk about it because I'm going to ask him about it at practice before practice. Spoiler alert: Thursday afternoon. I think I think you're right. Uh, speculation is kind of outside in. It looks like he's thinking too much. Looks like it might be a confidence issue. He needs to, in my opinion, noted basketball expert me. Yeah. He needs doctor to, doctor hoops. He needs to be Kyle Alexander and get lost in the game like Rick Barnes is talking about. Play defense, rebound, get loose balls, jump passing lanes, whatever. Don't worry about scoring the basketball. You don't need to score the basketball. Your other players can do that. If you want to finish a break, that's fine. If you want to slash to the rim, that's fine. And if you're wide open from three, take the freaking shot. Right, and and there was a possession uh, in the first half at Missouri where he was on the wing. He kind of got stuck with the basketball, and he dribbled left toward the baseline. He lost the ball out of bounds, turned it over. Rick Barnes turned to Jordan Bowden, told him to get in the game, get Eve out. I think Eve only played nine minutes. Yeah. He's just got to get rid of the basketball. He can't stand there and get lost with it. He can't stand there and dribble. He can't try to create his own offense because I don't think they need him to do that or want him to do that. Get rid of the basketball, keep it moving, uh, and go from there. If he could just focus on those things, in my opinion, I think he'd be uh, much more effective. Uh, But, yes, it it does feel like if there's somebody that's taking a step back maybe uh, from earlier in the season, what they're doing and what they're doing now, I think it would be Eve. Uh, I think that if you look at what he could do, in terms of, I think he needs to look at look at what Kyle did. You know, Kyle going into SEC play, Alexander said he thought about almost not even attempting shots in the pregame going into the Georgia game. He said he thought about just going out there stretching and playing and just trying to get rebounds and letting anything else that happened happen. He eventually decided, no, I need to go through the routine like normal, but I'm going to just determine to get every single rebound on the court. That's the only thing I care about right now. And all of a sudden, not only was he getting all the rebounds, he was also scoring more. So that is something that very clearly worked. And I think if you're Eve, you try to do that. But I think if you're Barnes, I don't think you change the rotation at all right now. I think no, you, I, I think don't. I don't think why, you do either. How could you win your first two SEC games by 70 points and then change the starting lineup? Right. You that, that is like I'm not saying you coach out of fear, but you would be second guessed from here until the end of your career if you started tinkering with this lineup right now. Because he's giving you good energy defensively. He, you know, he's still making some defensive mistakes, but he's also making some big defensive plays um, and throwing him out there for a few minutes. You know, Bowden very clearly is responding well off the bench. We know Lamonte Turner is is great at coming off the bench. He's a six-man of the year in this league for a reason. I, I think you keep doing what you're doing right now because I, I think it's working. But I think that's one thing. Uh, and the other thing is I still, I still think it's possible – and I think we're starting to see a little bit of it now, but I still believe in Derek Walker. And yeah. I think – I'm not saying he's ever going to be a star because I don't, I don't think he is, but I, I think he can affect the game physically if they give him a chance to do that. I think he can make some things happen on defense. He can give you some block shots, a couple of hard fouls that send a message. He can finish well above the rim. He can make some impressive plays happen in the post just by playing physically – and I think he and Fulkerson are still guys that I do believe in. And they they love playing together, which is good because they're going to in, in a lot of situations. But I, I think Walker is another guy who still could do a little more. And I would like to see I, – I still think Jalen Johnson, even with Lamonte Turner back in there, that clearly affects Jalen more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. But I still think there will be a time where they can use his offensive skill in a game. Maybe not like a banger like a Missouri, but – another more open game, I think he can make an impact. Yeah, and I think with uh, that is interesting on Jalen and kind of how he gets impacted by Lamonte and, and what his minutes look like from here on out. And I do think he's, uh, with Walker, I think he's trending in the right direction. I think uh, Rick has been complimentary of him 
uh, the last couple times yeah. out, which is big for him. Uh, and he doesn't have, like you said, he doesn't have to do a ton, but he can star in his role uh, if he fills out that role and if he is a guy that can give them good minutes to kind of help them uh, help them with foul trouble, help them just kind of get Grant a blow, whatever, just, just be a guy that you can depend on uh, for a few possessions here and there. Before we get out of here, don't forget about the scheduling Wisconsin. Yes. That's a big one. Yeah, and, and we could, you know what? We could end on that compliment sandwich because that's good news. That's a, that's a really good program. Uh, that is a fun home-and-home home that Tennessee has scheduled. Grant, details, por favor. Uh, it, actually, for, for once, they've scheduled a big opponent, and it starts in Knoxville because with Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, North Carolina, Cincinnati, Memphis, uh, Gonzaga, none of those games, none of those series started in Knoxville. Uh, but Wisconsin will come to Knoxville December 28th. Uh, of 2019 starts next season, so that'll be a good get back from Christmas. Uh, have a really big out of conference game at Thompson Bowling Arena, and then they go to Madison playing the Cole Center on November 11th for uh, 2020. Which is so, a great arena, great place to watch. Basketball. And that'll be like the first. That's like the first week of the season, so that's going to be like a second or third game of the season, a huge road game at Wisconsin. So that'll be a big test uh, for that team. But I mean, Rick Barnes, you know, he talks about all the time. He wants to be a national program. You got to schedule national programs. Well, they've, they've done, they went three and one against, uh, Georgia tech. They went two and zero against Wake Forest, zero and two against North Carolina. Uh, they two, started two great games. Yeah. They started the Memphis series with a win, uh, one and three against Gonzaga, but at least you end that one on a high note. Uh, the Georgia tech's over with Wake Forest is over with, um, he's mentioned talking to, to, Rick, uh, Roy Williams, more about maybe playing in in the future, uh, but there's been some huge conference games, and they're they're going to keep uh, keep doing that. And when you look at that, yeah, there was that whole kind of Indiana, Wisconsin, like a Michigan somewhere mm-hmm. in there. There was a good home and home to be had. I still hope they talk to Michigan because I think stylistically, him against Beeline and those oh, yeah. that would be a that would be a pretty old man bowl. It would be some old man basketball, wouldn't it? Uh, and and I think that's a that's a pretty good way to end the compliment sandwich, right? Does that feel? Compliment sandwich. Would be the I feel away about things bull. Yeah, because I, I there's just there's not much to complain about with this team right now. There will be probably at some point we'll find something to dissect. We'll find something to debate. The sky will fall eventually. You just wait. Yeah. You see there. You know what? We didn't end that well. We were trying to end it on the high note, Grant. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yay the, basketball. The sky will never fall. Guys, you can always find us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant is Grant Ramey on Twitter, G-R-A-N-T-R-A-M-E-Y. You can also find Ryan Callahan on Twitter, Ryan Callahan, 24-7. Patrick Brown on Twitter at PBrown, 24-7. And you can get all of us at Twitter.com slash GoBoss247 and Facebook.com slash GoBoss247. Or you can go directly to the source right now, GoBoss247.com, the best place for Tennessee news on the Internet Happy to say we've 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 had a good run lately, and uh, we've built a pretty cool cool site there. So come check us out. Uh, we've always got good deals with football signing day approaching. Uh, lots of Tennessee basketball recruiting news too going around. Baseball season starts soon. Maria always does a great job covering Lady Vols, especially uh, in the basketball and softball departments. Anything that you want, you can find on GoVols247.com. Grant, any final thoughts? No, none.